Hello, and welcome back to Searching Inward, a podcast brought to you by Restore Small Groups here in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm George Stahl, joined with Scott Reel and Anna B. Anna Bryant. I don't know why I'm calling her Anna B. That's a a new addition. Uh, In in a new place, a new space, we're being hip New nickname. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) You're the youngest among us, so if anyone's close to any hip-hop, it's you. Okay. Just barely. Um, Well, we are starting off on this journey of transformation. And today we want to talk to you about the mindset of possibility. And Scott, when you wrote this book, uh, it was kind of inspired by this quote from Stephen Covey. So I want to start us off with that. And then maybe you could tell us a little bit about the beginnings of that and how that inspired you to begin writing this. But uh, Stephen Covey says this, we can only achieve quantum improvements in our life as we quit hacking at the leaves of attitude and behavior and get to work on the root, the paradigm from which our attitudes and behaviors flow. So what, what inspired you? What, what, what in that was just struck a chord with you and you go, I got to write about this. Well, first of all, it was just transforming. It was a transformative moment for me when I read that because I realized, oh my goodness, this applies to me and it applies to everybody I've ever worked with that we're, we, it seems like we were focusing on the problem more than we were focusing on the solution. The problem is our, you know, attachments, our addictions, our behaviors, you know, those are the symptoms that are being driven by a deeper underlying issue. And that issue really is for all of us, our paradigms, what we really believe about ourselves, which we could say is um, forms a mindset. And I realized that I was going to be limited in my personal liberation and my freedom by how much that paradigm has transformed to me. And I realized that I had spent a lifetime, I mean, I think the first memory I have of my childhood is shame. And then as an athlete, most of the coaches I grew up under were old school guys who who used, you know, fear and shame to motivate, mm-hmm. you know, threat and um, and just schools and society in general, and just you develop a, a fear of, of I'm going to be rejected or not allowed to do something or be punished if I don't measure up, if I don't do it right. And so um, I had kind of realized that that had carried over to my view of God even uh, and it was affecting me greatly with, you know, it's not that I've made mistakes, I am a mistake, and it's not that I'm not, you're not going to love me, it's that I'm not lovable. And so I realized this. So how you, how you actually felt in your disposition or yeah. God's disposition towards you was one of wanting to shame you. Like, yeah. Same. You yeah. know, I projected that onto God. Yeah. And I realized that I really had a limited view of God, even after all these years, that I was still being limited and hindered in my freedom, my inner freedom, because of that belief that I had. And that belief about myself and that belief about God carried over into to the behaviors and the choices I was making in my life. And so... Even if I wasn't acting out in some form or fashion of my addictions, maybe I did get those under control, which I did through recovery. But in the core, I was still hurting so much and still feeling in many ways I was responding the same way. I wasn't free. I wasn't free. And I was seeing that in the people that we were working with, the thousands of folks that have come through our groups, and that we needed to go deeper into our transformative process with God. And that is definitely ruled by our paradigms. So I guess what I'm hearing you say in that is that um, 
we need help in the sense of we can't start from the place of the of the problem or we can't start from the place of, of our brokenness that when you made that fundamental shift, the paradigm shifted for you that God wasn't just trying to shame you in your brokenness, but God wanted to heal you. What did that look like for you? Oh my gosh. I mean, talk about a completely different worldview. And I have to admit that that is a process because you can't go a lifetime of believing one thing then all of a sudden overnight you're going to believe it differently. Uh, I found that the renewing of my mind and, and just... And so it's interesting, I've really focused in on verses that were so positive and, and then reading them through the lens of this is a person who loves me beyond anything I could ever imagine. Um, and I thought about the verse where, you know, where Jesus says, you humans, you know, would ask, your child would ask you for a gift and you would, you know, give them something that wasn't kind, you know, I mean, we would give our child something that was good. We wouldn't give our child something that wasn't nice, wasn't good for them. And he says, your heavenly father who loves you so much more than that, why would we, you know? So I realized, why do I have such a limited view of God? Because when it came down to it, I believed that he's not going to be there for me. Because that's what I'd come to believe about everyone I had really gotten close to. Is wow. that somehow, and then just the self-rejection that that occurred in me, and then the beliefs and the mistakes I've made were beyond, you know, they were beyond grace. I could extend that grace mm-hmm. to you guys, but to me, it, again, it was limited. And so, believing that God loved me, the, the you know the, the 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 son who went off and blew it all and came back, and he and the and his father throws a feast, and you know, uh, I I started to believe, gosh, that he would love me just as I am, and there's you know my worst days, my best days. Um, and then I saw that lens starting to change. And I thought about Paul when he, he said the scales fell off his eyes and he could really see Jesus. So see, see this is what I, my, the point I'm trying to make in this book is that what I believe shapes what I see. What I see is going to determine really who I become. And so if I really want to become free and become the full potential as a man that God created me to be, I've got to believe and trust that God loves me beyond anything I can imagine. And that love will carry on into me and I will see myself differently and everything in my life will change. And it has been changing since I did it. And that's why I'm so excited about this book. I kind of have this little acronym, but but first you must believe, B. First you gotta believe. And then S, C. Then you'll see everything differently. And then B, you become different. And when you become different, you become your true self, then you'll reach your destiny, D. Every, everything that you were destined to be. And that's where uh, that quote I just heard recently, that uh, it's the path, it's the process that really determines our destination, not our intent. I can have the greatest intentions, but I'll never measure up to them and be able to do them. But if I get into a process, and for us we're calling it the path, if I can stay on this path every day, in a renewing process, I'm going to start to believe different about myself. I'll see myself differently. I'll see the world different. And then I'll become who I was really meant to be. And when I become that person, I'll fulfill my destiny. And I think that's what every human being wants to do in their life. Why was I, why am I here? What is my personal destiny? And can I reach that? Yes, we can. But it begins with changing what we believe about ourselves. Anna, um, I know a new paradigm is so important to uh, the experience of groups. And 
guiding people in whatever process of healing or, or journey they're on. And uh, Scott, you speak of uh, Jesus being a paradigm. And uh, I was just reminded, uh, maybe Anna wants you to speak to this a little bit about maybe how you experience this in the group experience, but at Jesus at baptism, he hears his voice and it's the voice of his, of his father saying, this is my son in whom I love and whom I'm well pleased. And uh, if Jesus is a paradigm, then uh, I think what you guys are inviting people to see is that's just not true of Jesus. That's true for every human being to hear that voice of this is my son and or daughter and whom I love. Like it starts from this place of absolute goodness. And if Jesus does anything, he brings us back to a more healthy view of ourself. Um, how, how do you guys help people experience this in group? What are some of the things that lead to a shift of seeing that? Because if you're going to have a successful journey, whether it's of any kind of transformation, where you start, you know, really uh, determines where you end up. That's true. And um, you can't, you can't do it alone. Um, I mean, it says in scripture that it's not good for man to be alone. It's not good for any of us to be alone all the time. Um, Whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, you are made to live in community. Um, God himself lives in community. That is why he is a triune God and not just one piece. Um, But the way that we grow and and change is when we come together in community and we're in these supportive small groups, um, we, we see the best in us being called out and affirmed in others. We see like the potential of, of who we can become because um, we don't always see ourselves as we truly are. We often see ourselves, um, you know, again, through that lens and that paradigm of, of our experiences and what we believe. Um, but when we can come together in a group of people who can really see us um, objectively because they don't have um, preconceived notions about who we are um, and the group environment is one of um no judgment and uh, the people in the group are not there to fix you or advise Mm -hmm. you. They're just simply there to support you and reflect what they see. And so when you're being reflected back, the goodness and the potential of who you are and who you can become, and um, that really does begin to change the paradigm of how we see ourselves because um, we can break out a little bit of that, that negative self-talk that we tend to get caught in so often. um, And you really, um, can just soak in um, maybe some truth uh, of what you can't always see yourself. Um, would so. you say, Would you guys say that uh, we actually help people hear that voice that we are the beloved son or daughter? Like uh, we don't just hear that that voice coming out of heaven, but human beings can actually help each other be reminded of that, rediscover it in in some way, and that's actually what. Which what happens in this group is you're you're helping people rediscover that and witness to it. Well, uh, today's topic is on um, the mindset of possibility, so we want to talk a little bit about just uh, fixed mindsets and growth mindsets. And uh, you started off uh, this day with just an amazing story about a bride. And Anna helped me with this a little bit, some of the detail of this. But she uh, was preparing a wedding with her fiance, and it was gonna cost like thirteen thousand dollars, and she put down six thousand, and then at some point. Uh, the fiance got cold feet and backed out of the wedding. And so she goes back to the the place that was uh, 
she was going to do this banquet at the wedding banquet and they said they couldn't give her but $1,300 back. So she was going to lose a lot of money. So what, what ended up happening? So this is such an inspiring story of perspective because this is, this is what we really perspective is something that we need in order to help shift our paradigm. But, you know, I think by and large, most people in that situation would be like, well, like this is just, this is a disaster. I've been rejected, like, um, and really tend to view that circumstance maybe through a, a negative lens or paradigm. But what this particular woman did was she decided that she was not going to let this investment go to waste and that she was going to find something to celebrate. And like, um, so she invited like I, people off the street, I believe yeah, from rescue missions yes, and homeless shelters <laughs> to yeah. like a grand banquet and had just this amazing celebration of goodness and like not focusing on the fact that, okay, this, this wedding fell through and it she even changed the, the menu to boneless chicken. Yes. In honor of the fiance who backed out. <laughs> yes. But I love that. Just being able to reframe and look at it from a different perspective of instead of like, oh, I'm not enough or um, I'm not worthy of love. Like instead saying like, okay, obviously this is not the right person for me. And this is an opportunity for me to create good in the world. And so um, that that change in perspective, that change in, in paradigm really made all the difference in, in how the story turned out because it wasn't a story of failure and rejection. It was a story of inviting people in and creating uh, a kind and loving space for people who really needed it. She transformed her shame, shame into something different, yeah. put a new spin on it. And Scott, in the book, you quote Covey in there about how he defines a paradigm. And you wrote it in this way. It says, suddenly I saw things differently because I saw, um, because I saw things differently. I thought differently. I felt differently and I behaved differently. So her paradigm shift created a complete new ending to, to this horrible, tragic event in, in her life. And then, uh, Frankel, and this is what Scott, or Scott, I want you to kind of help us on, but Frankel says this, that between stimulus and response, there is a space. And in that space, it is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. So this is a real central part to this day. Frankel's quote here. Yeah, I would say it's pretty much the premise of the whole book. That from the stimulus to response, I truly do have the freedom and the power to make my choice. And so if... You know, when Frankel wrote this, he's in his book *Man's Search for Meaning*. He's he's referring to what he re learned in Auschwitz at the German concentration camp. That that was a difference between that mindset or that paradigm that the the Jewish people had that were being held prison there was a difference between life and death. And he actually refers to this state of mind, this mindset. It's called provisional existence. But what he found was that those who were putting their hope in some form of circumstance, like they, they heard that the Allies were going to come by a certain date and liberate them. And so that date came and they were not liberated. Many of them just went over in a corner and died or they, their immune systems shut down. They quit eating. They died. I mean, it was just so detrimentally said to their well-being. But those who did not put their hope in the circumstances but believed that even in this hell that they were existing in, 
there was a purpose and a meaning for their suffering of good. They, very, they found a spiritual answer to being present to that. So that could, If you could find a spiritual answer of hope in that circumstance situation, that's quite remarkable. Well, there's a Jewish word called mitzvah, yeah. which means that the divine can exist even in hell. Mm. And so I thought about that. So we look at our circumstances through our perception, through our paradigm, what we believe, and that's going to determine our response. So, so really, from stimulus to response, I have this power to choose. Can I see it through a belief that God's working all things in my life for good, that I can trust him, and that there's good in me, and somehow, some way, this is asking me to, to bear this and to endure this and to keep growing. So the, when there's possibilities, I wrote that I see opportunities for growth. You know, and to me, that's, again, the creativity that uh, Brene Brown was referring to is at the center of hope. I, I feel empowered that even though I'm in a, in a, in a space I don't want to be in, I can choose to grow. Mm. And from this, I'm actually going to move forward into something, a deeper spiritual walk, but there's going to be a benefit. That is the difference between, and when Covey, if you read his book, you go back to that situation he's talked about when he was on a, I think he was on a subway and it was, and these, it was early in the morning. Everybody was kind of sleepy and they were reading the paper and being quiet. And this family got on, this father and his children got on and the kids were running all over going crazy. And, and Covey or somebody said, hey, shouldn't you get your kids under control? You know, what are you, you're really wrecking a piece here. <laughs> and, and the father said, well, I'm sorry. We just came from the hospital. Their mother passed away. Wow. Covey said in an instant, he had a paradigm shift. He felt different. He saw everything different, and his response was different, you know. And so I thought that was a that just shows you how powerful a mindset, a paradigm is. Wow. Yeah, that's that really does put things back in perspective. Um, Anna, um, there's a way that we choose to see things is a choice that we have. And going back to this bride, which you're a woman and we're a bride, <laughs> so you could relate to her. Um, but what if she would have chosen to look at her circumstances through a toxic thought, which would have been, I'm not worthy of love. So the way she chose to solve this just totally, totally changed the experience for her. Um, how does that feel to you as a woman? Hmm. Interesting, interesting question. I think, yeah, it it is all about like how we choose to see. Um, there's there's a, a quote that Scott put in the book that I really mm -hmm. like and it's that we are responsible for the thoughts we think and how the thoughts make us behave uh, it's a function of our decisions not of our conditions and the way we choose to see things is a choice and so I think to just continually remind ourselves of that like no matter what the circumstance is it um the circumstance doesn't define who you are um and to be able to really define yourself in light of what is true and not allowing your circumstances to define your truth is hugely important. And I think that's, it's a daily practice. Um, you know, there are times that we all have doubts and insecurities, um, like, especially in relationships. I think like for me, I am interpersonally wired. I am like 
that is high on my list. And so it is hard sometimes for me to like constantly feel secure in different relationships. Like I, and like, I'm like, well, I haven't heard from this person in a while. Like, did I do something wrong or whatever? And, um, while yes, it's good to always be, um, mindful of how you are performing in relationships I think not defining yourself through them is also equally important and defining yourself in who you know you are and what is true what God's word says about you um, and choosing to look through that lens instead of through the lens of whatever is happening in your life oh Scott you um uh, you quoted uh, Dispenza Dr. Spenza in here again about we have to become someone else and becoming was a important word in this, but uh, help us understand what that means. Becoming someone else. Well, it's be, it's truly moving out of our false self and becoming our true self mm-hmm. is what what we're advocating here, and I think that's what Dispenza is saying. And so, you know, becoming has be, that's essentially becoming has become <laughs> a very significant word in my spiritual journey that. Um, and I can say this to the audience, if you, I think if we really listen to this, that we're constantly chasing, pursuing what we think will define us. If I have this, if I achieve this, if I have this relationship, if I have this job, if I have this much money, if I have this house, if I have this kind of esteem, whatever that is, when I, and they say whatever we pursue, we ultimately worship. And so I just think that, you know, I have become able, I have become of a different mindset now. That first, if I become the man, the person that God created me to be, if I become my true self and I love that person and I become that person, I'll do everything in life differently from then on. But, But in our society, it's always when you do this, then you'll have this. When you do this, when you have this, then you'll become this. And we have just the opposite. And what I realized is integrity, character, those, why those are not that profound anymore in our society, but they really should be the most profound thing in our lives, is the, the living and the integrity and the character that I have, especially in Christ. Uh, and then when I become that man, and you know what? And again, I'm in my 60s. I'm just now really becoming who I really believe God always wanted me and created me to be. And uh, so it's never too late. And it doesn't matter what mistakes we've made. It doesn't matter what our past is. I can become new. Jesus said, behold, I make, I make all things new. And so becoming should become a very significant word to us. When I hear that word become, it just immediately motivates me. It's not too late. It's never too late. And I'm on the path to becoming that man. We're always becoming is what yeah. you're saying. And yeah. becoming is, is a process. Like we don't become something by attaining or performing. We become that, that is the goal is what we become. It's not what we attain or what we achieve. So that's the path that the process is becoming. And so that's what we need to focus on. And that's what, uh, it's, I can ha- again, go back to that word intention. I can have all the intention in the world of, wanting to be different and change, but if I don't have a daily renewing process, practice, a path, it's going to be really, really almost impossible. Anna, let me come back to you because you said something when you were talking about um, the way we choose to see things as a choice, and you were referring to how 
you could begin to think about the interpersonal relationships you have, like, oh, you hadn't heard from this person. And in a sense, it's almost like what the um, Jilded Bride could have felt is she could have took the narratives, I'm not worthy of love. Like, mm -hmm. so um, when you're talking about that, and is that a becoming thing for you of like starting from this place of, of course I'm worthy of love. And if someone didn't get back to me, it's not because I'm not worthy. It just might be because there's something else. Like, how's that play out in your life? That is, thanks for just digging at the heart of my struggle, George. Love you for that. That's what we do in group, right? Yes, that is exactly what we do in group. And that is probably the heart of one of my, my that's actually the paradigm shift that I am struggling to attain and become right now is, um, yes, is recognizing that who I am is enough and is worthy of love just as I am. Um, so yes, I do have constant like, um, internal dialogues of like, did I do this? Did I do that? Did I like, am, am I performing okay in this area? Like, where do I need to improve? And then like recognizing that that is an unhealthy, um, train of thought that I am trying to find my worth and value in how others perceive me. And just so taking those thoughts captive and replacing them with like who I truly am, that I am beloved, that I am good enough, that I don't need to prove my worth or my value to anyone really except for myself. And that is by taking thoughts captive and and not running on that hamster wheel of, of needing affirmation from others or needing somebody else to fill me up. Um, but it's a process and I'm, <laughs> I'm in the middle of it and I'm, uh, working towards being a more healthy and whole person in, in that particular aspect of my life. And that's what Dispenza means when he says we have to become someone else. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if, in your case, it's someone who believes that they're worthy of love. Even if someone doesn't get back to you as quickly as they thought, you're still worthy of their love, right? <laughs> um, well, uh, Brene Brown says this and, and I want to kind of move here to talking about fixed mindsets and um but she says sometimes we spend too much time asking why and we never get around to asking now what i think this is a shift we want people to move toward or what's next um she says what do i want my final outcome to look like and how can i rewrite the end to my story and so scott you talk a lot about creating co-creating with god and so can you kind of just help us land here the difference between growth and a fixed mindset? Because um, that's what we're wanting to do. We're wanting to move here. And now what's next? And so we could get bogged down in the why, but I think what you're wanting to invite people to is there's a what's next. And that's what we're going to begin to work on here. I mean, that's just a monumental, healthy paradigm shift if I move from a fixed mindset, which is it's, it's written, it's done. It's, it's too late, it's over, which is going to lead a person to despair, which is, again is it goes back to Frankl's provisional existence. He was talking about that mindset. They saw no hope, and which is the definition of despair. But, you know, Bre Brown, Brene Brown, who is to me one of the greatest writers of hope I've ever read, she's saying, you know, that there isn't anything that's written that can't be rewritten. And we'll talk about that a little bit more on and later in the book. But you know the, the the mindset of possibilities 
you know, again, I, that, I was focusing on that verse over the weekend. Uh, what is impossible with man is possible with God. With God, all things are possible. God can make a new beginning right where I'm at, right where I'm at. And if I believe that, it's like that last paragraph of this this week is, the life you've always wanted is available if you can see it and you can believe it and you'll push through your failures to the other side. This is a journey of transformation. And so what I'm choosing to believe is going to determine either I, I'm going to be living in despair, which is hopelessness, and I'm... And, and, you know, and that's the fertile soil for all of our addictions and just dysfunctional behaviors. But if I can believe there's hope that even in this, God can use this and use it for good and grow, and I can get to the ending, that, it's, you know, that, that keeps us moving forward, that fills us with hope, and where hope keeps a person alive within time. And um, when we actually begin to believe that our basic qualities can grow and can change and heal. Although those may still hurt, um, they don't define us anymore. Those setbacks, those failures, those broken parts of us don't define us. Anna, um, how do you see the the growth in the fixed mindset? Yeah, I, um, well, I love that, that uh, quote that Scott just shared about, um, you know, attaining the life that you've always wanted. And I think it's really important that we recognize that when we have a fixed mindset, we're looking at a fixed outcome for that life we've always wanted. And when we have a growth mindset, we begin to understand that the life we always wanted is actually us being our full true selves and being at home in our own skin, essentially. And it, it is not tied to anything circumstantial. The life that we've always wanted is that that we are our full selves and that we are okay with who we are. Um, and so that really does require the paradigm shift from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset. Um, and so I think, um, you know, that we can kind of evaluate whether or not we're stuck in a fixed mindset or whether we're embracing a growth mindset when we think about things like uh, where is our our focus is our focus on improvement or is our focus on like you know looking good and being the best because if our our focus is on like growth and improvement then obviously we're in the growth mindset but if it's um, you know we can get better at anything but a fixed mindset would say like things are 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 they either are or they aren't. Um, it's all very black and white. Um, you know, how do we look at effort? Are we, um, do we think, you know, growth requires effort? Um, or do we think, you know, it's, if, if we have it, it should be easy. And if it's not easy, then it's not going to happen. Um, you know, how do we look at challenges? Are we embracing them, looking at them as an opportunity to grow? Or do we think like, that I may not be successful at that and that's not a surefire bet, so I better avoid it if it's a challenge. That would be more of a fixed mindset. So those are some of the questions that we can look at. And, and mistakes, how do we view mistakes? You know, do we look at them as like, okay, well, I've learned now what doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Or do we think mistakes define us, you know? Um, I love the acronym fail is a first attempt in learning. You know, a a failure is not a bad thing. It's, it's, it's helping you learn. Um, It's not defining your destiny. 
So I, I think that those are some things that we can like just maybe mull over to recognize, okay, like how, where is my mind going when it comes to challenges and efforts and mistakes or even like um, constructive criticism? Am I looking at it as opportunities to grow and learn and become more of myself? Or am I looking at it as it, it is defining and solidifying the negative paradigm that I'm already believing about myself? Scott, you wrote the Jilded Bride had a growth mindset and believed another ending to her failed wedding plans existed. You got to believe another plan exists. I mean, that's the difference between, to me, life and death. Hmm. That, you know, every day I put before you life and death, choose life. You know, the science now is catching up with all this. And that, then again, back to neuroplasticity, that every morning the brain creates all these thousands of new brain cells. They call it neurogenesis. So God's mercies are new every morning. So that means every morning I wake up, if I choose to think the right thoughts and to position myself in, I'm going to grow. And I'm in, look, life is hard. I mean, it can be tragically hard. We have losses of all kinds that we we're going to face in our lives. We're going to, we're going to feel rejection. We're going to, we're going to lose loved ones. We're going to fail at our jobs. We're going to have, you know, just sickness and death. I mean, it's just, it's it just, it's tough. And so how do I, how do I, where's, where's this offer me hope? And I think it's in the, uh, that verse where, God works all things for good for those who, you know, and that's me. That's me. I got to believe for those that are loved, you know, that's me. I'm one of those. And so if I choose to believe that I can grow from this, that I can even get stronger and better from this, and it's something more beautiful could even grow from this, that gives me hope. That gives me life. Um, it makes me feel empowered. So that's a choice. That is a choice. I can see it one way or I can see it another way. And whatever that is, that's my paradigm. If I believe it's, it's it, it's too late, made too many mistakes, this is too painful, this loss, I can't go on, then we stay stuck. We stay stuck in despair. And despair is hopelessness. And so it just... I think that what we've seen in 20-some years of doing small groups like this, when, a, when that light comes on for a person, that they can see this differently, that they can respond differently, that there is hope that fills them with an energy to live. And they now have proof that the brain, the chemistry, when they, they looked at it, it changes when a person feels hopeful. It's like we were created to look forward. to have, Again, we're going to talk more about this later in the book, but... Looking forward, living forward, living forward into the hope of Christ. That is what, that's what gives me hope. And that's the belief that someone's in this with me and good is going to grow from this. And it will, and it will, if I choose to believe that. And science calls that neurogenesis. Every day. Can you make an acronym out of that? <laughs> we can remember. <laughs> <laughs> if you could do that, Scott, you... Yeah. You, you know how I am with that. You know how I am with acronyms. <laughs> I, I'm always trying to come up with acronyms. Anna, any, any final word, any thought that is important here? And we'll... If you don't... Yeah, have. we're going to... We're going to dig deeper, but I would just encourage you that when, when you're feeling heaviness or you're feeling caught in maybe a cycle of negative thoughts, just stop take a breath 
and challenge yourself to find one or two different perspectives from the one you're currently thinking. All right, friends. Well, uh, you have heard from Scott and Anna, and um, I just want to go back to something that both uh, Scott quoted as actually a quote of himself, <laughs> which fascinates me when he reads himself. Uh, he was telling me the other day he's, he, he was reading his book, and he's like, I ought to write that down. <laughs> um, so he even amazes himself. Um, but uh, both of them referred to this, and it's this, that the life you always wanted is available if you can see it, if you can believe it. And you could push through your failure to the other sides or the failures that we have. This is the journey to transformation. Another ending to your life is possible. It just takes a different point of view than the one that led to your despair. Mm -hmm. That's the invitation here. So thank you so much for listening. Um, wherever you've listened from your couch, your treadmill, your car, um, Obviously, all of you listening matter deeply to us, and we just want you to know you don't have to be on this journey alone. So uh, if you want to reach out at restoresmallgroups.org, find out more about the in-person and online groups that we have going on, or just want to reach out and find ways to connect to move toward a more hopeful, healing future, uh, Restore would love to help you. Reach out to Scott and Nana, and you can find us online. But uh, as we continue to move through this journey of transformation, we want you to know this. Over every mountain, there is a path. And the future rewards those who discover it and press on. So stay on the path, friends. <laughs>